Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. We're starting a a new book this month. Our book of the month is called This Thing Called You. You know, we do all the Ernest Holmes books, and you might ask, well, what's special about this one, or is there anything special about this one? You know, this is the one that I recommend to new people. So if ever you're in a quandary of uh, maybe a book of Ernest Holmes, you know, to give to a relative or family member that explains a little bit more about our philosophy, this is the go-to book. Um, you know, the Science of Mind textbook kind of scares people, and it's written from, you know, 100 years ago. And, and this one is in pretty plain language. It's easy to understand, and it has all of the, the great messages that we get from so much of Ernest Holmes. So what's it about? It's about us. It absolutely is about us. And it talks about our divinity, it talks about our humanness, it talks about our relationship to God, and it does it in an everyday way uh, that I personally get a lot of inspiration from. And, uh, and in particular, I wanted to share it with you this month. So where do we start? I'm going to start maybe in an unusual place. Uh, this isn't out of the book at all. But if we're going to talk about our relationship to God, if we're going to talk about what humanity is in light of God, I thought I would go back to at least one account of the beginning. So you've probably all read the uh, uh, Genesis, the, you know, where, where the universe comes from. And uh, of course, it's a long story, so I'm going to start right in the middle of it. It's like day five. So right, the, the heavens and the earth are already there. The light is already out of the darkness. The, the seas are in place. The mountains are in place. So fast forward to day five, and hopefully this will sound a little bit familiar. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind. And so it was. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along. And so God created mankind in its own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Notice the difference here a little bit, right? It's as though there were unique designs unto them for the animals of the the animal kingdom, right? So the giraffes were made like giraffes were supposed to, and the animals in the farmyard and everywhere else had their, sort of their template of what it is to be that thing, whatever it was. But why do you think that we're held out at being something a little different. Why do you think it is that we're considered to be made in God's image? Now, surely that doesn't mean that we look like God. I mean, you know, uh, all those famous Renaissance paintings, right, or the top of the Sistine uh, Chapel, you get an idea that God is just, you know, kind of like Clark Kent, kind of the Superman up there. You know, do you you know the picture I'm even talking about, the one with Adam's finger outstretched and God's finger outstretched? And it is physically look a little bit like God was uh, creating humans in God's own image. Well, 
I don't buy that uh, for a minute. And, and, and I would suggest that one of the things we do a little differently here is we, we don't actually read the Bible as though it were literal. We take more of a figurative or a, a metaphysical meaning of the Bible. Uh, but, but can you see why this particular passage in the Bible is in so much trouble right now? The whole creationist idea, that, you know, the, the fundamentalist Christians that really believe in the Bible as literal say, no, this was this was day five and it happened just like that and all the fossil evidence and everything got created on that particular day and we just you know we were formed you know no evolution necessary right well Ernest Holmes absolutely believes in evolution and today I want to talk not only about the evolution of our species but perhaps more importantly the evolution of our spirituality, both as individuals and as humankind and as our species, if you will. Because there is something going on here. I think there is something, and I don't know, here this is up for debate, and if we were doing our afterwards program, it would be a lovely way to start out a discussion. Because I don't really know whether it's a difference of degree or whether it's something fundamentally different that separates us from the animal kingdom. Some people might argue, well, it's just a difference of degree, that if uh, some other kind of an animal had the right opposable thumbs and had gone through the evolutionary process, maybe there would be rhinoceroses in the pulpit today and things would look a little different. Other people would say, no, it's not just a difference in, uh, if, if you will, who came out on top. It's not just a, a, a difference in uh, who was the smarter one or who could, who could figure out how to do things quicker in the animal kingdom that rose to the surface. There are those, and I think an equal, um, an equal discussion around, no, there is actually something special about humanity. And I'm going to start with a quote from Ernest Holmes. I think it's true, and I think he's getting at it here. He says, you belong in the universe in which you live. You are one with the creative genius back of the vast array of the ceaseless motion and the original flow of life itself. You are as much a part of it as the sun, the earth, and the air. There is something in you telling you like a voice echoing from some mountaintop, a voice of inward vision, like an impulse welling up from an invisible source, it's telling you that your soul belongs to the universe. Your mind is an outlet through which the creative intelligence of the universe seeks its fulfillment. You are to believe with utmost simplicity and with complete faith that there is a pattern of your being or a real spirit of you, which is, is as eternal as God itself. This pattern is seeking to manifest through you. Back of it all is the will and the purpose of the universe. All of the irresistible laws of being, finally it, through you, will win. Do you see what I'm talking about? What he's really saying here is there's a specialness in us that goes beyond simply that we have a opposable thumbs. There's a, a specialness in us that, that's beyond the fact that somehow our species was creatively able to evolve through the ages. There is something in us like God 
that perhaps the other animals do not have. There is something else in us, well, a couple of things really. For one of us, there aren't too many other animals that really plot out their future in some kind of a meaningful way. Now, I'm a great animal lover. In fact, Daniel and I, I think are getting puppies next week. I have fingers crossed over that one. And anyone who has had dogs, or well, really any kind of pet, or anyone that's hung out at the, the, the farmyard will say, well, animals have it all too, right? They have the emotions. You can't look at a couple new puppies without seeing the curiosity and the intelligence and the ability to do problem solving. It's like, Larry, come on. There's really not that much different. There's really not too much special about us. And yet, if you think about it, there are not too many animals willing to push the envelope of their own programming. And by that, and I think this is perhaps what the author of Genesis had in mind, animals seem to be regulated by a level of instinct that they sort of don't fuss with. They don't push the boundaries of it too much. And so although we're used to our pets and our animals and things like that, there's still something inherently dog-like or cat-like about it that doesn't try to be anything particularly else. They kind of are the way they are. And they're intriguing, and yes, they have emotions, and yes, I swear some of them might be smarter than I am, but still, there's a piece of them that kind of doesn't question that programming, that doesn't question those boundaries. And I think that we do. And when it says that God has created us in its own image, that image of God, I think, is manifest us in our God-like qualities, in our ability to really recognize and seek out things like love and like peace, like joy, like our, like our own volition in the world, that an animal, even the most brilliant ones, tend to just not do. It may not even be that they couldn't do it, do you know what I mean? I mean, who's to say whether a porpoise or a whale couldn't figure out you know, something bizarrely intellectual, and yet I would say there's something in them that probably just doesn't care to, that it's not within their nature to. So with this idea of us being made in God's image, that image being that capability of doing such amazing things in the world, how are we doing? Some days I question whether or not the universe is in good hands in, in, the, in the human realm. And I want to talk about that for a minute. Because if we are divinely inspired, if we have the capability in us, and I absolutely think we could, I think that if everyone on this planet today uniformly said, no more war, and I mean it this time, right? then that would be the truth of the matter. So what keeps us from that? What keeps us from expressing our godlike capabilities in a way that truly brings around lasting peace, that truly allows the wealth of the universe to be distributed evenly and, and, and well? What, what keeps us from expressing that, God, if truly we are divinity? Well, I have kind of a sneaky question. Anyone here been around teenagers lately? Oh, you dropped her off at the airport this morning. All right. 
Well, my thesis here is, and we can, you know, feel free to debate it, because <laughs> this isn't Ernest Holmes, this is Larry, but my thesis is in the evolution of humanity, we're just getting into, and maybe a little bit through our teenage years. We have had the, a few, uh, I don't know, 10,000 years of evolutionary processes working in us from that original blueprint when we had the furrowed brows and the uh, more ape-like structure, that initial seed of divinity that was planted in there. We have been evolving in ways that truly is magnificent. I mean, when you look at what humanity has managed to pull off in even just the last 50 years, I mean, we have the United Nations, we have people that are interested in women's rights, we have the ability to really look around the world via the internet and, and via the, the news media and really take a hard look at what's going on, and in many ways we're actively changing it. We are absolutely evolving, even as a teenager has their own personal evolution through childhood. But the trouble is, well, let me tell a story on myself. So when I was uh, 16, my parents decided that I was old enough to be in the house by myself for the weekend. And so they, yeah, Sharon's going, that was a, that was a mistake. Or <laughs> so they packed off and they went to Portland for the weekend. This was down at the coast in Newport. And I still remember, we sat down at the kitchen table uh, the Friday before they, they left for the weekend. We sat down at the kitchen table on Friday morning and mom had two lists <laughs> and they were long lists of what I would do and what I wouldn't do. <laughs> and in a very methodical way, we proceeded to go through the list and I'm nodding and I'm smiling as you know, teenagers nod and smile. And at the end of it, she said, well, do you have any questions? And I said, where are the car keys? Because <laughs> I was a teenager and I didn't really care about any of those funny rules. Well, see, I think that's kind of where we are as a species. And did anyone convince you when you were a teenager? Or did we have to discover a lot of it on our own? Now, see, the trouble with all of the great... Uh, uh, spiritual writings throughout time, whether it's the Bhagavad Gita, whether it's the Holy Bible, whether it's the Quran, um, whether it's the writings of Lao Tzu, the I Ching, all of them tell you ways that you can absolutely move forward in your true divinity to become more like that template of creation. All of them, whether it's the Ten Commandments or whether it's the parables of Jesus, we can look through any of the scriptures on this planet and practically give you the formula for leading a beautiful and spiritual and powerful life beyond anything that you've experienced so far. And what do we ask? We want to know where the car keys are. And I don't know where we are that that's a bad idea. I think that as both individuals and as a human race, we can't just take it part and parcel from someone else. As wise as they were, as divinely inspired as they are, I think to a degree, through the mistakes and the troubles, and, and I still remember the time that my grandfather took me down to the county jail just to see what that was like, right? I think we have to experience some of these things. 
It isn't enough to say, here's the list of things that are right, and here's the things that are wrong. In fact, I wonder if sometimes that just doesn't give us dangerous ideas from looking at the wrong list. What I also know that is different between us and the animal kingdom, I'm going to tell you about in a minute, but I think it's time for our joke. (laughs) So little Darlene was sitting on her grandfather's lap as he read her a bedtime story. From time to time, she would take her eyes off the book and reach up to touch his wrinkled cheek. She was alternately stroking her own cheek and then looking up and stroking his. Finally, she spoke up. Grandpa, I'm curious, did did God make you? Why, yes, Darlene, he answered. God made me a long time ago. Oh, said Darlene, thinking. But God made me too, right? Yes, indeed, sweetie, he said. God made you, but just a little while ago. Thinking some more, not paying any attention at all to Grandpa reading the story, she finally observed, God's actually getting better at things, isn't he? I think that's the truth of the matter. (laughs) Now, maybe not in the way that little Darlene meant, but I think that that is part of what differentiates us from the animals. And that is in the consciousness of God, we're one of the actual primal moving forward in consciousness reasons that God is getting better. We have been given that thing called free will. We have the ability to move outside of our programming. A dog isn't apt to try to think about E equals MC squared. And it isn't that the dog in its own dog way isn't perfectly wise and intelligent. We have the capability, no, we have the responsibility of reaching beyond the animal programming that we have, of reaching beyond our instincts and looking at really what is true and divine about us, how we want this world to come out. And and are we in our teenage years? Oh, yeah. When I think of what we'd already done to even climate change on this planet, I'm a little worried, right? It's like the teenager went out and used up all the gas money and is, and is trapped by the side of the road with an empty tank. And I'm a, little, I'm a little concerned, right? It might have been nice if we'd gotten the reminder along the way a little more strong. Maybe a visit to the jail would have been useful along the way. But what I know is we had to learn it. We have to learn it as we're going. And by and large, we're actually making great decisions. Now, the jury's out on the whole global warming thing. I I recognize that. Uh, I mean, we might be enjoying a nice summer here, but a little further south, uh, you know, deep drought. So it could be uh, that we made one of those really foolish teenage mistakes that's going to haunt us. I don't know. But what I do know is that each of us, both as individuals and collectively, are evolving. We are making ever better decisions. We're taking a look at what happens now on a global scale. The United Nations is involved in a way that didn't even exist 50 or 60 years ago. We are making decisions for ourselves and this planet now based on more actual information 
Instead of just that biblical idea of we'll go out and subdue the earth, we're taking a look at whether the earth needs to be subdued at all or if maybe it's something in us that needs to change. We're up for this. I'm going to start um, our homework suggestion for the week uh, right now. And I, and I was thinking about this because it's both the easiest homework I've ever assigned you and it's also the hardest homework that I've ever uh, decided to assign you. And so I hope there's a willingness to try this out because I think that if we want to get better at wielding the power and responsibilities that we have through our free will, we have to know that we're powerful. And so my homework suggestion for you this week is to make a record, take one day out of the week when, when, when you, you know, maybe you're not as distracted as sometimes you might be, because this is an act of clarity on your part. I would like you to take one day this week and just count the number of decisions that you make. Doesn't that just sound like the easiest homework and the hardest homework that I've ever, that I've ever assigned? But, but I think this is important to you because how do we exercise our God-given free will? It's through our decisions. That is the most powerful thing that is within us. And some of us go through our whole day making 10,000 decisions and do we even notice that we had any decisions? Do you see how this can be true? It's like one thing to the next, and yeah, I did pick out what I wanted to wear today, and yeah, I did pick out you know, whether I opened the garage door first or whether I did this first. I did pick out my route to the church, and I picked out where I was going to park, and I came in and picked out where I was going to sit, and I decided to stay and actually listen to Larry after the beautiful music, which I, you know, I didn't have to, and I, right? So these are all decisions, but how many of you have a sense of making all of those, plus probably another 300 decisions just that got you here today. Most of us are pretty much on automatic. And yet, and yet, the purpose, the idea, the ability to decide, that is what sets us off from all of God's other creatures. When we're on automatic, it is just our instinct. It is just our animal nature, you know, our fancy animal, don't get me wrong, I mean, I'm looking okay today, it's a fancy animal, but when we're on autopilot, it is still our instinctual uh, variety as an animal that's presenting it to itself. But when we think about our divine choices, when we put aside, now we may make the same choices, I don't know, but when we recognize it as a choice, it's like, I really could have worn a tie today, and that might have sent a different message. Did I even think about that? I could have washed the car so that when people noticed the minister's car in the parking lot, they'd say, yeah, he's like that. The car is clean, his consciousness is clean. I know some of you are laughing, and yet, if we brought that level of intentionality to even maybe 20% of our choices, because our decisions are a reflection of what we believe, and what we believe is a reflection of what we think. And if, in the science of mind, that we believe that it is done unto us as we think, as we believe, 
then our choices need to line up with that. And if we're making our choices, if we're giving our unique God ability to insightfully choose this or this, this or this or this or this or this, that's powerful. When we're on automatic, it just happens. It's the same old. It's the soup du jour. I'm going to plan the meals more carefully. I'm going to be someone who chooses on purpose. So that's your homework for this week. Simply take a day and count, if you're willing, the number of conscious choices you make that day. And, and as you can imagine, the process of doing this will make some of your decisions more conscious. So, so be aware of that too. And I don't want you to get crazy about it. I don't want you at the end of the day go, oh, well, wait a minute. I must have made some choices around food, and right? Because those were the unconscious ones, and that's okay. If you didn't notice them when they happened, don't try to you know, adjust your list or whatever. Uh, let's not make this into a crazy-making thing. Just notice your conscious decisions for the day and make a little stroke tally. Next week, we'll compare notes. And I think just the exercise of doing this will empower you because each one of those choice points allows you to further express who you are, what you stand for, or not. Each choice we make either better reflects what I stand for, who I am, or not. When it's completely unautomatic, who knows? But when we align our choices with our thinking, what we stand for and what we believe to our actions and choices in the world, there is no stopping us. I'm going to close today with a final quote from this thing called you. The universe is a vast system. All the laws of nature conspire to benefit us, but these same laws automatically also protect the integrity of nature. It is as though nature said to us, all right, little man, the game is yours. Play it as you see fit. I have given you all. I have implanted freedom, individuality, and self-choice within you. Finally, through experience, you will learn the better and wiser way. You are set on the path of self-determination. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one love, one joy. It is this thing that I call God. And on this day in particular, I, I acknowledge that that means me that I am made in the image of God insofar as that those movements towards love, towards joy, towards peace, towards divinity are indeed part of my DNA, that that is part of whom and what I am, that not only am I having a human, not only am I a human being having this human experience, but I am also made of the divine and that it is seeking to express through me as I make my choices, as I go about my day. There is the choice for bringing about greater love. There is the movement towards experiencing more joy. There is the ability to show compassion and love to people less fortunate than myself. There is that kindness in me 
that is moving through me and seeking to express. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room, that each of us made in that image of the divine is here to do some of the work of the divine, is here to express more life, more love, more beauty, and more peace. It's how we're made. And I'm simply grateful for this heightened awareness today. I'm simply grateful to recognize that that divinity with which created me continues to be in me and acting as me. It's the truth of who I am. This is the gratitude that I express. And I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you joined us. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.